Welcome to Selfie Development, a podcast about the weird and wonderful world of wellness and self-improvement. Each episode, we look at a different wellness trend or practice to find out what actually works and what's kind of a waste of time and energy. I'm Katie Gordon, a yoga teacher and coach. I'm Annabelle Lee. I write about wellness. Come and find us at Selfie Development Pod on Instagram for more wellness chat. Hey, Katie G. <laughs> Hi, Annabelle. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> I've got the giggles now. I like that. Okay. I've been exercising. I've got the endorphins going and I've lost all sense of professionalism. Um, <laughs> Katie, what do you think the difference is between exercise and movement? Uh, intensity. Yep. Uh, mobility. I don't know. You're going to tell me. (laughs) According to the internet, exercise is structured, planned and intentional. So all exercise is movement, but not all movement is exercise. Right. But one thing that I think is really interesting is how we view exercise and movement. It's Mm -hmm. like really differently. Yeah. Like I think exercise is sort of seen as quite glamorous, inherently good for us. Whereas movement is maybe it's kind of unloved cousin that yeah. we don't really give enough attention people see to. less value absolutely so i thought it would be interesting to get into that and kind of unpick which is better than the other or can exercise be bad we know lots of people get sports injuries mm-hmm. i think it's about 40 percent of people have had a sports injury in their lifetime not me <laughs> i have multiple <laughs> it's because you do more sporting than i do although i have had an injury from yoga as well so, wow. which I would call exercise, not movement. It depends what kind of yoga you're mm. doing, doesn't it, Annabelle? Definitely probably was coming to that more from an exercise perspective. Yeah. So we've got an amazing guest today coming in to help us unpick exercise and movement. Wendy Welpton is the founder of Reclaim Movement and she's one of the leaders of natural movement training in the UK. And she's also one of our pals and is just a wonderful expert. So we are really excited to be chatting to Wendy about exercise and movement. She's lovely. Yeah, looking forward to this. Can't wait. Welcome, Wendy. Katie and I are so thrilled to have you with us in the flesh. Great to see you both. Can you, Wendy, tell us a little bit about you and a bit about Reclaim Movement? So I am, first and foremost, mum of three boys, married mum of three boys. And I live in Oxford now. I've been here nearly 20 years, but I'm Scottish originally. And I used to be in marketing, but sadly at the age of 40, got injured and then thought I'd be recovered pretty quickly but didn't. And for the next four years, struggled with chronic pain and had to change my life as a result of that. And through that process, I found out about natural movement, studied it, never thought I would be a coach, um, find myself now as a coach and love it. So this is my uh, second career. And uh, yeah, I love it. And I am so pleased that I found it because it helped me get my life back. Yeah. So can you, if you're happy to, can you tell us a bit about what happened with the injury? Yeah, sure. So I was, I've always been quite an active person. So it was more about uh, me over-exercising. I'm not a super fit athlete type. Uh, I just basically wasn't really listening to what was going on in my body. I see that now that I look back. 
So I got into running because I was post-children. I was thinking, I want to be fit again. I used to be a bit of a gym bunny. How can I fit things in? And um, I've always loved the outdoors. So I thought, brilliant, win-win. I can get my exercise in. I can be outdoors. And so I ran and I ran and I loved it. And I got truly addicted to it. And then started doing competitions. So I did a 5K, did Race for Life, and then I did a 10K and a bit more, and eventually got up to half marathon. And in that process, my body started telling me that things were not right, but I wasn't listening because I was being competitive. I wanted to be able to achieve the distance no matter what. Friends around me were doing similar things. And I did do the half marathon, so I was very proud of myself. And actually, I was just in the car listening to a song that was on my playlist. And I remembered the feeling when I was running along and how good that felt. And it's amazing how much emotion comes up and, and how linked that can be and, and being triggered by a song, particularly remembering it. And then I went for a lovely run one sunny day of the week in the December after... I can't remember, I think it was about the May of the half marathon. And it all seemed to go live. So it was a 10K usual run. And then I came home, went to bed as normal. And in the middle of the night, woke up in severe pain and realized I couldn't walk. I couldn't get to the toilet. I was in agony. Um, and I didn't know what on earth was going on because I hadn't had a fall. I hadn't injured myself, but my body had finally said, enough is enough. And I, you know, I'd stretched off after everything. I couldn't understand what was going on. And to cut a long story short, I went to get help from GP. Unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of help because I wasn't, they said, you won't be triaged for a scan because you can walk and you are not incontinent. So I was given some strong painkillers, which I didn't want to take and told to leave. So I started having to do my own research, thinking that it would be two or three months. <laughs> And it turned out to be an awful lot longer. So through that time, I realized that going from sort of physiotherapists um, and other people, I eventually found someone who was really helpful because they looked at my whole body movement. They looked at my alignment. They looked at the way I, I held myself when I moved and they listened to my whole story. So all the onion skin layers of life I like to talk about that have built up that will have created structural deficiencies. And I also found out I was hypermobile, which I had no idea about before. And so with his help, uh, I started to work on my basic alignment and movement patterns. And then I started researching online, saying, what can I do in the future? If I can't run anymore, what am I going to do to keep myself well, especially if I'm hypermobile? How is this going to affect what I do? And that's when I found natural movement yeah. and I went down a big rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and you're now an Instagram sensation. <laughs> I don't know about sensation. No, I do. <laughs> well, I enjoy my Instagram. Actually, the, the funny thing about Instagram, having protested against being on social media prior to having my own business and saying they're not really friends, you can't call them that. Actually, I realise it's a really powerful way to express yourself 
to connect with people who've got very, very similar stories. And for me, because not a lot of people know uh, about natural movement and what it means, it's been a lovely way to drip feed messages out. Um, and through that, I've created a business, basically, because obviously I also started in lockdown. Mm. So everything had to be digital. Hence, I now am still mainly online. I have recently, as you both, I think, know, started... So you stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, I go to the gym now. Um, and I've noticed I am now getting so much, like, gym talk content. I'm getting oh, yeah. the, the fitness girlies and the lifting guys. Like, And it's amazing how quickly you can get into these like silos absolutely and what I think is really interesting is how we I think society and all of us have probably got this kind of like inbuilt internalized stuff going on about exercise and fitness and we view it in this particular way I think it's sort of held up as being disciplined and you know I'm sure there's a lot of stuff connected with you know all sorts of horrible stuff to do with society in there as well but I just think it's really interesting how maybe we as society kind of glamorize exercise and fitness verse you know and and I know the work you're doing is around you know trying to change some of that with movement but do you think there is like a big and I guess a question for you Katie as well like do you think there's a big difference between how we view movement versus exercise I think there's been really good public health messaging around getting people exercising because it's only been a number of decades in which now everyone knows how important it is to exercise. So that's a really good thing to know that we need to for our health short and long term. But I think as humans, we take things to extremes. And particularly with exercise, I think we become very specialist in the way we think about it. So, for example, it's a whole other can of worms, but obviously at school, we channel kids very early into the sport they're good at, find the thing you're good at. And unfortunately, then other things don't get used and, and they work on that specific thing. And, you know, we then see physical adaptation as a result because... You know, the swimmers get the broad shoulders and so on because they're getting really good and their body is adapting to the thing they're doing most. And that is a huge problem because in sedentary society, that's also happening. So people's bodies are adapting to being sat in chairs because they are for often eight hours a day, no fault of their own. And therefore, when humans then come to do either other sports or general movement, so their, their capability of just carrying things, lifting their own child, etc. they struggle and they become injured because their bodies have become specialists at what they do rather than being really good generalists. And we were born as generalists. We were born with all those natural movement skills and yet we stop using them. And when we stop using them, we become less efficient at them. Uh, we even almost forget them. But our bodies need a lot of those skills to perform well. We need to push, pull, run, hang, climb, crawl, walk, jump. We need to do all those things. And the modern world 
means that we are thinking, no, it's okay, we can sit for eight hours a day and our bodies are sort of quite stuck in one position. We drive there and back. And then we go to the gym and we expect our bodies to be able to then suddenly take really quite tricky movements and be stable and strong through that for an hour, a really quick hour. And I think that is part of the problem that exercise has become seen as something where you tick that box and then you walk away because you've done it. And I think all humans want to do that. They want to think, right, I've achieved my health criteria for the day, the week. But the problem is the rest of the time. And that was my experience that it was actually the rest of the time that was the problem for me. I think it's also a function of being time poor of like, well, I've got to exercise, I've yeah. got an hour, I've got to like do it really hard. Whereas actually, so movement is like, well, what's the point of doing that? Because I can move my body now. And, you know, say you're like 30 years old, you're like, well, I don't have pain. I can move everything. Everything's fine. But when I used to go to yoga studios in London and sometimes the gym bros would come in, they just couldn't even start to do anything because (laughs) they just couldn't move their bodies they couldn't rotate their arms they couldn't do anything so I think that movement just gets overlooked because it's not seen as important I think we take it for granted and and I think you know rightly so we should take it for granted because we want to become efficient we don't want to always be concentrating on how's my movement right now Mm. but as you age that changes and I think we probably all know seniors who are struggling to get off the ground and then that becomes a a danger signal because if someone falls they themselves can't get themselves off the ground they can't get help Mm. or they can't help someone else who's fallen Um, and it's really hard to sort of think right I'm planning now for that many years later but given that we do lose bone mass muscle mass sorry and bone density we do need to think of that earlier on to make sure that we can use the patterns that we need for older age because you don't see that many runners on the road that are 80 you see a few and they're amazing because Mm. they've done it all their lives and they're really good and their bodies are probably strong and well aligned but you don't see that many so I think from my perspective natural movement is all about looking at the ways you use your body all day long and I've really focused, particularly on my social media, on the things that I wasn't doing that I realised were really key nutritious movements, which is to use one of my guru's company name, Katie Bowman, she's amazing, because that's the element I realised I was missing in my life. I was really taking for granted that sitting on a chair for a long time wasn't going to affect my body. And, And the specific positions that you're in are not an issue. It's how long you spend Mm. because your body will always adapt to those positions you're in. And I think that's something that's also become a bit mixed up as well. But yeah, I like to try and you talked about the difference between exercise and movement. There's no difference because exercise is a form of movement, but movement encompasses everything, absolutely everything. And therefore we need to think about all the ways we move. Yeah, I think there's such a tendency in wellness circles that we think you know do my thing like drink my we always talk about the juice yeah (laughs) green juice like or you know have my healthy food do my yoga or whatever go to the gym and then that's done like tick I've done it I've looked after myself and I think what is so interesting about movement and thinking more broadly is that it's everything isn't it You're, you're moving all day long 
I've really noticed, I think, since talking to you a bit about it recently, on the train, people working on their computers doing this real neck forward thing. Yeah, head chasing. So, and I can see it on the train and I've become very aware of it myself. But it's just interesting because it's there with us all the time, isn't it? It's sort of this kind of omnipresent part of our life, which is, I guess, harder to sort of tick off. I've done my movement. Well, I think that's why, although, so I, I offer classes, so I'm teaching people to move in different ways. But I don't talk about that loads on my socials. I talk more about the little things that people can add into their lives because that's going to hopefully resonate and they might remember. And I do get a lot of messages People saying, oh, I remembered you when I was getting my washing out. And, you know, it's not sexy stuff. It is me saying, well, okay, if you haven't got time, like you were saying, then what little snippets can we put into the day? Because I truly believe that the 30 seconds of movement is better than no movement at all. Mm -hmm. I think all movement counts. And I think when you flip your thinking to that, then when you are doing more boring chores... They're not quite so boring because you know you're doing good for your body if you do them in a certain way. So I always say, you know, squat at the washing machine when you're folding out your laundry. Why not get the bag of laundry, the, the what do you call it, thingy? Laundry basket. That's the one. Put it on the ground, get down on the ground, sort it by moving around so that your hips are in different positions and learn a few different ways to sit so that you can do that, so that you're moving from one position to another. And you will automatically be mobilizing and strengthening Mm. your hips using your core. And because you've got to get down there and up and lift and carry that basket, to me, that's a five minute movement workout that's brilliant. And obviously, you've got to do this every week when, you know, a few times a week. So it's adding in those practical things and sort of being proud of ourselves that we've done that in a way, because actually every time you do that, get up and get down to the floor, you are putting something in the bank for the future. Because if you don't do it, you are more likely to lose it. So you're mobilising joints, essentially, by moving in different ways. And strengthening, because obviously to get up off the floor, uh, a lot of people can't because they just don't have that Mm. strength in the lower body mainly because I talk about in a blog I've written a long time ago about the most important meter you'll travel in your life being, you know, from one meter high, desk height and down, Mm. because most people can't eventually do that. And is it mainly older people that have that issue then? No. Really? Yeah. You'd be very, very surprised. Obviously, people who've had injury, that's Mm -hmm. going to affect them. But no, I... uh, really quite a young man I was talking to recently who's a cyclist and a runner Mm. but he can't get off a chair now without using his hands to push up because he's not doing weight-bearing exercise through his lower body and pushing up and down from the ground is weight-bearing exercise just as walking is running is Mm. obviously a little bit as well but I think he was more of a cyclist he's really struggling you'd think you'd be really strong from cycling and that would be no problem to stand up yeah so, but everyone's bodies are very different mm. and he's probably a very specific case. But yeah, no, younger than you would imagine. And, you know, I think all of us probably recognise when we're leaning on our knee to get up or leaning against things. And it's not wrong to do that. It's just that our bodies automatically want to go into the easiest thing that mm-hmm. we can do. We want to conserve energy. So we have to fight against that a bit, I think, with our modern world setup. Yeah. That reminds me when my husband did a marathon last year. And so I 
kind of, I think a lot of people think, oh, he's super, you know, fit, healthy, but he can't sit cross-legged on the floor. And it's mm. just that thing, isn't mm. it, of like in the same way that somebody's weight has no bearing on their health, it's mm. the same thing, isn't it? Like the amount of exercise someone's doing or yep. f- how physically active someone is, it's got nothing to do with mobility, and yeah. which is interesting. But you really... Most people can work on it to an extent by adding in different shapes. I really believe that, you know, obviously there's your anatomy, the way you're, you were born, the way you're set up and other potential limitations that you've got. But aside from that, I think most people can make improvements and small improvements and quite easily with some, you know, very simple movements. And just sitting on the ground and being on the ground more often will help him to sit on the ground. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of my biggest tips. I've got uh, an ebook that is called Making the Ground Your Friend for Life because being on the ground daily for me has made a huge change. I feel like I'm kind of, I don't have to factor those things in to my other movement practices because I'm there already. And then I move around when I've got to, you know, when I lose focus, if I'm on the laptop, then I can just shuffle back and have a rock and roll around. <laughs> that, that is one of the things that I have learned from you is I now have a little bench thing and I have a bolster and so when I'm feeling a bit antsy then I'll go and I'll do my hero's pose on my bolster and it's just great yeah it's really good it's yeah. brilliant yeah you feel so differently after literally two minutes of movement and people sort of get quite fixated as well going back to your the way exercise has gone question on am I doing this right is this good for me? Is this beneficial for that? And I say to clients a lot, really, does it feel good to you? Do you feel like after you've done this, it feels better than before? Because actually, I think that's the key thing. Mm. If you can help people tune into, yeah, I feel a bit looser, you know, I feel a bit happier because I've released some endorphins because I've not just been sedentary and everything has gone to sleep, then they're more likely to do more and that, that ripple effect will happen. Could you tell us a bit more, we've talked about this before, but for the listeners as well, what what natural movement is? Where does it come from? Sure. No, it's really quite a simple concept in a way because it is just looking at those human skills that you're born with. And uh, a lot of the part of it that I focus on are the skills from the ground up because there's schools of thought that, you know, if you can't do a deep squat with your heels on the ground, you shouldn't really be running. <laughs> um, that's, again, affects, you know, depending on your anatomy and so on. That's a controversial one. Is that, Wendy, is yes. that because the thinking then is that you don't have the mobility to run yeah, yeah. It healthily? Because obviously when you run, everything needs to be this, this lovely chain of movement. You're taking a quite significant impact force through from your foot right up through your body. People sort of think about it as a leg thing, but obviously it's right into your spine and your shoulders. And so if everything's smooth and moving beautifully, then you'll get into this lovely flow and it'll be brilliant. But if something's sticking and isn't quite working and isn't quite so mobile, then you're going to get reaction up the chain, the physical chain, or down. So if you have tightness in your hip, which a lot of people have tightness in their hips, then you can get lower back pain or you can get knee pain or most often things happen in feet and ankles because of the types of shoes they wear. So, yeah, to answer your question with that. But to go back to uh, the natural movement, so... The skills that we were born with, like B 
being on the ground. So if you think of a baby developing up until they are a child, then we go through all of those different patterns. So sitting on the ground in different positions, crawling, getting up, balancing particularly, which is a key one that a lot of people don't really focus on or they don't focus on it in a dynamic way. And then further up to jumping, obviously there's lifting and carrying safely and in, again in different ways rather than just in front of us, making sure that we have twisting in the spine and so on, right up to hanging, which is brilliant for the shoulders. So there's all those skills you can imagine and swimming is in there as well. It's not something that I teach. But yeah, so my part of it is focusing on getting people back down to the floor. For my rehabilitation, I was looked at, as I said, about structurally, but also my movement patterns. So he really was focusing on those early developmental patterns. So I had to really get strong on the ground before I was even allowed to stand up. And when I found natural movement, which um, I'm a certified MoveNat trainer, I came to it actually through Katie Bowman that I mentioned before, and she actually pointed me in the direction of MoveNat. I realized how much similarity there was between what they were teaching and what I'd been doing in my rehab. And it worked for me. I got better. I had to get myself better by doing very small, nuanced movement to get there. But the general patterns were about the patterns I then thought, I need to use these in my daily life if I want, I'm going to stay strong and mobile as I age. This is what I've got to do. So it all married up. And as I say, I then certified and thought okay, maybe there's a need for this or maybe there's not because it's not very big in the UK. So why is it not so big in the UK? And sort of tested it out with friends and family and thought, and everyone said, what does that mean? What, are you t what do you mean natural movement? Because it's what we've got anyway, isn't it? But then when I started to say, well, yeah, but how do you feel about doing this or that? Or have you seen this or that going on in society? It resonated so that it went from there. And clearly having had quite a few people on social media um, agree there is obviously a need. <laughs> yeah. This might be verging on a rude question. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but why do you need a trainer to show you how to do all these things if it's all natural movement? Because not that there's a right or a wrong way to do things, mm. because I think there can be wrong ways, certainly, that could make you go into a danger zone where you're more likely to be injured. But there also are techniques. So these skills are broken down into very specific small techniques. And when you are training someone, it's amazing how if you give them a technique tip, suddenly it unlocks a movement that before has been completely locked right. to them. And then, so for example, when you're balancing, I have people balancing on a two by four beam that you can get from the builder's merchant. When you're on that, if your head position is, as we talked about, chasing forwards, mm. You're taking five kilos forward away from your center of gravity. It's so much harder to balance. So you teach people how to bring the head back up the ramp. And then all of a sudden, they can, they balance, can balance so much right. better. And in so doing, they become more confident. Mm. And then when they're not in the class with me or reading about it, they then go and have a balance on a tree trunk in the wood and their confidence goes up a bit more and so on. So you can spot little things about people's bodies yes. and then be like, try this, try that. And that helps. Exactly. Them. Right. Exactly. And they will probably intuitively know that that's right. It will make sense what mm. I say, but perhaps they just didn't have something in a specific order that would right. help them and so on. But also I think a huge part as a, 
I'm sure you're aware of coaching is giving someone the confidence to do it. Yeah. So a lot of people that come to me have really lost confidence, as I did when I was injured. And they need their metaphorical hand to be held. Mm. Um, and that, for me, is actually one of the most pleasurable parts of what I do, is seeing someone's confidence grow yeah. and think that they can take on more in the future. Yeah, because if you feel like you can't get up from the floor, getting down could yeah. be quite frightening. Absolutely. And, and when I was um, in pain, I started to fear how far it was to fall to the floor mm. because I just thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to break my body to get down there. And if I do fall, I'm going to have a massive flare up. So I remember literally fearing it. Mm. So I part of the reason I get people up and down for the floor is also to say, you know, it's not that far. And if you learn to concertina your body, then by different ways of getting up and down, as there are a myriad, then it's less scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that we talk about quite a lot is sort of people having like the space to do things or kind of you know giving them the opportunity because like yeah it's you might not necessarily think I'm just going to go and hang on that tree yeah but you've given them the you've like empowered them to think oh yeah I'll do it because it's fun and then they feel good yeah you feel good and and it's helping me so you're sort of picking a lot of um boxes yeah and I think obviously like going back to what you're saying about social media I think we all think that we know an awful lot about exercise as well because there is so much messaging and Mm. what we could do but actually then when it comes down to it sometimes it's nice for someone to say try this range of movements see how they feel have a go so that it's sort of served up for you I certainly like that I go to someone that I do weights with and I love the fact that she's programmed it for me and thought all around it Mm. yeah it can be overwhelming can't it to know I know like then I'm getting do these squats, do these deadlifts. And I'm like, I just... It's too much. I just do the same thing, three <laughs> things that I, that I know how to do. In terms of having some specifics in your pocket, so I know I mentioned I love having my little seated, well, not, what would I call it, floor desk. And you talked about a few other ideas in terms of housework, yeah. things like that. Are there any other things that people could maybe take away and try just adding a couple of bits in? Well, there's loads, but I think you've got to keep it nice and simple and just have a few simple things that are easy to do and easy to remember. So my first would be, if you don't really ever sit on the ground, give it a go. Just see how it feels. If it's uncomfortable, get yourself some cushions, make a nice comfy space with blankets and just be there. Try not to lean against any other furniture and see if you can get your legs into different positions, bolster up your bum with as much as you need so that you can be relaxed and not sort of pull back in your spine and just be there for a while. And when your body tells you to shift, which is the beauty of being on the floor, you shift and you shift to another position, which, you know, people who've got young kids, they're there a lot. But the problem is when the kids have grown up and they're on the chairs is you staying back down on the floor. But I think it's a really, really good thing to be able to do. I think I also say try and have a little day of awareness where you think, am I avoiding doing something here? Is something being made more easy for me? For example, am I taking plates out of a high cupboard so that I don't have to bend down? Or could I actually put things in slightly awkward places so that I know I've got to try and squat to get them or lower down and pick up in a different way? And just kind of walk around thinking, you know, how much of what I'm doing 
could I actually be physically doing something here? And this is taken away. So things like, for example, a handheld hoover, where you're quickly cleaning a bit up, but actually there's not much on the floor. So you could use a dustpan and brush and get down to it, to the floor and use it. So just having a bit of awareness and just notice how much that modern world setup is actually taking movement away from you. And then number three, I really like people to think about play and movement particularly as adults, because it makes moving so much more fun when there's a reason and particularly when there's a community basis around it and particularly multi-generational. So if, you know, grandparents, parents and kids can all go out for a walk, go into the woods and have a play, help each other out, balancing on things, climbing things, going under and around. But you don't need kids to do that. I do it anyway. And it's such fun. And I think having fun and being playful really, really helps us to move more and enjoy movement. So, yeah, have fun with it. Wendy, thank you so much. If people want to come and find you online, where can they find you? Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. My website is reclaimmovement.co.uk and I am on all socials, well, most socials, as reclaim.movement. And I also have a YouTube channel, same address, at reclaim.movement. Wonderful. And we'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much. So that was interesting. Yeah, great chat with Wendy. She's got so much knowledge and lived experience, I think, of this whole kind of stuff about around movement. And she's such a good advocate for, for moving more in life, which I think is great yeah we can all do a bit more movement can't we that's what I was thinking that it's quite easy to see exercise as this like one thing that you do like this box ticking exercise Mm. literally for me ticking off my exercise (laughs) box (laughs) that you have to do so you go and you do your whatever your 45 minute hit class or you go 45 minutes of hit yeah but there is a warm-up and cool-down I it's 20, 20 minutes. minutes. I think it probably is 20 <laughs> minutes of actual okay. hit. Or you go and run your 5K or whatever it is that you do. You go and mm. or you go to your cl- your yoga class and then it's like tick, I've done my exercise. But this idea that movement is like more omnipresent in life that is just a part of life constantly and that it doesn't need to be this kind of s- sort of strict or this kind of all or nothing mentality which I think you can fall into with exercise and a lot of wellness stuff I think as well that it could just be like incremental things it could just be trying to move around more it could be trying to sit on the floor instead of at your desk you can you there are sort of easier ways to include more movement in your life yeah you can top it up I guess it depends on your lifestyle as well though if you're sat at an office desk it is there are things you can do but it's a bit harder Right, if you're in an office yeah. and you suddenly want to sit. <laughs> you're not going to be doing little squats or like sitting on the floor and standing up again. Yes, that's yeah. true. And then I know some of these things do, they almost sound like cliches. And I know Wendy said this as well, that things like parking further away and taking the stairs, you know, we've all heard that messaging so much. But I think in the context of not thinking of that as like, a tool for exercise or because you want to burn more calories but just thinking that you want to do those things because actually sometimes moving more is a nice thing to do I, I think sometimes it's reframing what we think of about I think exercise is very kind of one thing you're either gaining muscle or you're 
losing fat or whatever it is in your your exercising whereas movement is a more holistic way of living and like thinking about how you're going to move when you're older like it's so important to keep mobile when you're older I think falls are one of the most don't quote me here because I don't know the stats but it's one of the most dangerous things that can happen if you fall over when you're older and then you get scared of falling over you move less and it has an impact on um, longevity I think so I think it is really undervalued but I think go to a gym class based around movement or mobility and it's just never going to be as popular as a hit class or you just won't find it in in many gyms why do you think that is because it doesn't sell you can't make as much money out of it I mean someone proved me wrong but I think all of us like time poor know we've got to do our exercise we can see the value in like lifting or hit or whatever running but the value of movement or mobility isn't so obvious you don't get immediate results so if you haven't got much time what are you going to prioritize and it's pretty much always going to be the kind of hardcore exercise or like get it done get out yeah because there are guidelines national guidelines around exercise which is like 150 minutes of vigorous exercise a week I think they define it or don't moderate. they define vigorous exercise as walking though? I mean it's pretty yeah but I think that wouldn't it be interesting if instead of this focus on exercise there was maybe guidelines around movement as well because mm. it can I think also because if you have felt like maybe exercise isn't for me I know I felt like this for a really long time yeah. like I wasn't that I couldn't run that I felt really lost in the gym but to think of it as movement as a sort of more it kind of feels like a gentler in in a way yeah well it is a gentler in and I think you know if you think about mobility or movement that could be a gentle yoga class or a gentle pilates class if it's taught in a specific way or or it could be walking the dog or going swimming because you like being in the water and or gardening or yeah like cleaning, any of these things. Any- housework <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cleaning the car like literally anything that is you standing up and I think we often lose the value of those kinds of things which are not more important than exercise but they're really important in in long-term health definitely I thought what was really interesting when you were saying about how we all often lean against things which I've noticed I do if I'm standing on a train or a bus you know you want to find a pole so that you can sort of slump yourself against it and that's just an intrinsic part of your body and your psychology saying like conserve energy and I I never knew that I never realized that was why we sort of did it but I just thought it was interesting how we've got these two things going on in our brains that our brains are telling us to conserve energy Mm. you know that voice in which definitely in my head when I run telling me to stop running but also we know kind of logically no don't stop running <laughs> or stand up straight or yeah. you know actually it is good to be using energy and it's kind of that sort of those two it's the the two wolves <laughs> yeah and it, it, it can be like an off on thing like you're either at the gym or you're lying on the sofa and like maybe do one less gym session a week if you're doing five times a week and do some more mobility or get in the garden or whatever yeah 
walk somewhere. Yeah. Get on your bike. But then also, I think walking and cycling are really good. But actually, in a yoga class, if you see people who exercise lots and they walk and they cycle, they can still have really just poor mobility because they're not moving in different ways. They're all very set patterns. So doing something, I'm not that I'm selling yoga to everyone, but like doing something that involves you squatting, standing up, moving your body, stretching, doing those kinds of movements that you don't sort of, that we would have done naturally in the past, but we don't really do so much anymore. Yeah. And and also it's quite fun, isn't it? If you do something different, so if you're in a routine, that's great. And that obviously is can be really helpful, but also trying something so if you do always run maybe trying more yoga or stretching or going to pilates i tried pickleball the other day no paddle pickleball is not excellent a drinking game no (laughs) pickleball is this new so paddle and pickleball are these two new racket sports pickleball you play on a badminton court with a low net and i haven't tried that one i got it wrong but that's people have described that like being on like a human ping pong table Okay. And paddle is... Paddle? Um, paddle. <laughs> paddle. I, don't know. I thought it was like paddle. Um, is... <laughs> I have to tweet <laughs> Paddle mm. is a... Um, you play outside. It's on a bit like... Um, it's kind of a cross between squash and tennis. And you have a racket. It's like a tennis racket, but it's flat and a bigger ball. And it's really bouncy. And the ball can bounce off the walls. It's really fun. Okay. I am not very good at it. And I kept getting the ball into the next door neighbour's court. But there's always new types of movement and exercise coming up all the time. New things to make it interesting. But trying something new sometimes is quite fun Mm. because it doesn't feel like exercise or movement or something. You know, it's just trying something new or if... Both of those you play in doubles. So generally you'll be with at least three. Well, you would be with three other people. So they're quite social. They're quite fun. Yeah. But, you know, I think there are lots of different... And that, I guess, is one of the good things about the, like, explosion of the wellness industry and more things coming up is there are new things to try. And whether it's rock climbing or, I don't know, whatever ice skating <laughs> or you can like roll around on the floor with your kids or play football in the park and things like yeah, that yeah it doesn't well. have to be you don't have to pay for it necessarily yeah um, but I think that is fundamentally the issue that I think of when I think about movement versus exercises that there's no immediate benefits necessarily unless you have mobility issues and that becomes better but for like a healthy person there's no immediate benefits so what's the point so it's harder to sell as well. So obviously there's less money being thrown at it. You don't see any mobility apps on the market, whereas there's like a million fitness apps. Yeah, because m- mobility is very, um, you can't see mobility. It's not sexy, is it? Yeah, you exactly. You can't see it. You could look for all intents and purposes, super fit and healthy, but have, like you were saying, terrible mobility. But it just goes to show that, external image people Mm. have actually isn't really a completely true indicator of health so you could see someone think oh they look really fit and healthy but not necessarily but they can't sit on the floor can't judge a book by its cover exactly 
Thanks for listening. Come and find us on Instagram at Selfie Development Pod. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We recorded this podcast at Story 94. Thanks so much to Nick and Matt for editing and production.